Well, good morning to all of you, those of you that are visiting with us online, we'll say, and those of you that are here today. It's certainly a privilege and a pleasure for me to share with you what God has been laying on my heart, not only uh, this last week, but actually the last four to five months. And Daryl and your team, thank you so much for sharing uh, the music with us and worship time together. That really touches my heart, and it makes it difficult to come up and speak because I'm an emotional person. And the music, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, touches my heart. So I know there are some of you right now are uh, tuned in and are saying, who's that guy? I've never seen him before. If you're new to Grace Point, I'm Pastor Chuck and a pastor of congregational care. And I know something that's very important to me and to everyone else at Grace Point. We love you. God has a purpose for you. And God's working in your life, even amongst all this struggle that we're having. As you know, I've been thinking a lot. I I walk every day or run every day, and and that's my thinking time. And I've been trying to understand a little bit more of how the trauma of our current situation is impacting you and for me. And I could share military experiences, and and that would be fine, but that wouldn't you wouldn't relate very well to that. But this is a story that I think you can, many of you can relate to. So I'm going to take you for a few moments back in my life to 1982. There are a few of you as I look around, you weren't around in 1982. But in 1982, I was working for a facility in North Bergen, New Jersey. And North Bergen is sitting right on the Hudson River, dividing New York City from New Jersey. And I know some of you are asking the question, where are you from? Yes, I'm from New York. That's what the accent is. So we'll get that out of the way. And I was working in their glass container division. Owens, Illinois is the name of the company. I was there for 19 years. I came out of high school and was waiting to ship off to the Marine Corps. And so I worked for a few months. And in that time, I was an hourly employee. And I started August 11th, 1963. And the first job that I had was onloading freight trains or boxcars in the summertime. Now, if you've never been in a boxcar in the summertime, you're probably looking at about 120 degrees. Pretty scary stuff. And over the course of 19 years, I worked my way up. So I was the employment manager of that facility, about 1,000 people. And in 1982, it was announced that they were going to close this facility. And that was devastating to me because that's where I grew up. I knew everybody. They were my family, just like my church family. And it was very upsetting to me. And so that my first trauma experience, or the first part of that trauma experience, is the very fact, why are we doing this? I've had 19 years. I know everybody. Uh, How are we going to get through this? A very traumatic experience. And the second part of that traumatic experience is The corporation met with me and said, Chuck, we want to keep you, but we're not sure what that's going to look like. Now, some of you older folks remember the early 80s was a very difficult time in America where jobs were being lost and we had the gas crisis and you had to wait online to get your gasoline. Some of you remember, I see some people nodding. Uh, So industry was kind of downsizing and said, we want to keep you, but we're not sure where we're going to put you. And so for the next several months... I traveled all around the eastern United States working in purchasing and personnel and management, and they knew they wanted to do something with me. I was gone for about seven months. 
Now, the difficult thing was, at that time, my children were seven, five, and three. And Annette was home all by herself. And I would get home maybe every other week, sometimes three to four weeks, because I was traveling real far. And that was a very devastating time for us. That was the second part of it. And then finally they came and they said, well, we've got a place for you. We're going to be sending you to a place called Bristol, Pennsylvania, which is about 15 miles from here. And, and eventually you're going to be the human resource manager for the paper division, or they call it the forest products division. And so if some of you can relate to this. You know what it's like to have to move, especially moving out of an area. I grew up in New York, and that grew up in the New York area. Our friends were there. Our church was there. Our family was there. We loved the area. The Yankees were there. Uh, we had a lot of good stuff going on up in that area. And so now we had to pack, and we had to move, and we had to come down into this area and find out that you love the Phillies and the Eagles, and I'm a Giant fan and a Yankee fan, so that was, that was difficult, first challenge. But in, in all seriousness, it took us a while to adjust to that. So I could spend the rest of the time telling you about all how God blessed us in that time. Even the very fact that I'm here at Grace Point today and, and had an opportunity to teach at Karen University and, and a lot of other things that went on. So we never know through the traumatic experiences that we have that God is working and he's doing something that we don't understand. Sometimes we get frustrated, as Dave mentioned, but God is at work. Right now, God's at work doing something in your life and my life and making changes, and we don't understand all that. We don't understand this virus. We don't understand it at all, but God's up to something. And so as I start thinking about this topic today, what I wanted to really look at is the love of my wife, my love of my family. That's really what carried me through this very traumatic period in my life when I, 38 years ago. So we're going to be talking this morning about love comforts trauma. Love Comforts trauma. I thought all things, turn your eyes upon Jesus. You love comforts trauma. And so the biblical characters went through very much the same thing, although at a different time. And so I'd like to look at a few of the biblical characters and see how the adversities of their life turned into blessings that they weren't even aware of. So the first person that we want to take a look at is Moses. Now, what do we know about Moses? Well, first of all, he was born to Hebrew slaves. And that wasn't a good thing because they were under tremendous, tremendous suppression. And then his mom had to give him up because his life was in danger by the, the Pharaoh's decree. And so he's a Hebrew slave. He's born into a Hebrew family. He's going to be slaughtered as part of the decree. So mom puts him in a basket and shoves him off. And he's raised in where? In Pharaoh's court. And he grows up and becomes a powerful leader in Egypt. And he's looked to. And eventually, uh, the thoughts are that he's going to become the pharaoh. And then one day in his life, he sees an Egyptian being picked on, a bully. And he goes and he steps in and he winds up killing that Egyptian. And so what does he need to do? The next thing we see is that he's in conflict and he runs away and goes into the desert. And he becomes a shepherd. Now, if you're a king or second in command or you're a top-notch person and all of a sudden you have to be a shepherd, is that a downsizing? 
big time because shepherds weren't highly respected in the Old Testament times. You were basically taking care of sheep, and that was it. They were dirty, smelly, and didn't have a whole lot to offer. But let's take a look then uh, at Moses' accomplishments. What did Moses accomplish? Well, first of all, we know he leads his people out of Egypt. The scripture teaches us, doesn't give us an exact amount, but a lot of Bible scholars say about two million people that he was able to bring out of Egypt and to be able to free them. Two million people. Can you imagine leading two million people? That's a pretty big task for anyone. And then also we know he received the Ten Commandments from God. And then he wrote the first five books of the Bible. And then you may not know this, but he wrote the very first psalm. Anybody know what that psalm is? Psalm 90. That was the very first psalm. Don't ask me why it's 90th in the psalms, but it's the first psalm. And Moses wrote that. And so I want to share with you the prayer, just a couple verses, Moses' prayer here, and see if I can read this off the screen. Let your work be, uh, your servants, and your glorious power for their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon you and establish the work of your hands. Yes, establish the work of your hands. The prayer that Moses gave to us. We say, oh, we see a man here, the first person we look at is Moses, where he really was in desperate desire in many, many, many areas. He struggled mightily. And even when God called him, what was his answer? Well, Lord, I, I can't speak that well, and I don't know if I can do this. And God had to work through them, but God was at work in Moses' life and used him in a mighty and powerful way. Well, who's the second person we want to take a look at? King David. Now, what do we know about David? Well, first of all, David was seen as very weak by his father, Jesse. Had other sons, and, and he favored them more, and, and David was probably small in that we would use the word puny and, and, and didn't seem to offer a lot. But we know a lot of the stories that took place in David's life. And second of all, we know as we read through the song, uh, read through uh, second, first and second Samuel, that David got himself into trouble when he was king. And what happened to him? He's seen a young maiden bathing, and he decided to have a relationship with her. He gets her pregnant. And then not only does he do that, but then winds up getting her husband killed in battle. And then the third thing we see uh, with David is the death of his son, and then his wife rejects him. And then later on in life, his son Absalom tries to kill him. Wow, that's, a, that's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? But what, what's the good news? What, what's the good news here? Well, let's take a look. We have it up on here. So first of all, he's king of Israel for 40 years. And it was during those 40 years, he did so much good during that period of time. But the real important thing here is not only that he was king for 40 years, but he embraced, embraced God's forgiveness for the sins of his life. He embraced God. And we're going to take a look at that in a second in Psalm 51, how he cries out to the Lord. And, and he was such in favor with God that God said this about David. David is a man after my own heart. God had a tremendous love for David, a very special 
relationship with him. So let's take a look then at uh, Psalm 51 and just read those words together. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your absolute mercy. Blot out my transgression, wash me thoroughly, and I should be cleansed for my sin. Now, some people would be confused by that prayer. Why was he asking God for forgiveness when his sin was against Bathsheba and her husband Uriah? Because ultimately for us, for you and for me, it's our relationship with God and we have to go before God and we have to confess, even during this very, very difficult time, and we want to be honest with one another, because everything that we see going on in our, in our society today, in our culture, and the virus, and the, this rest in our country, and, and, and people are saying, well, where's God in all this? Maybe, maybe God has forgotten us. Maybe God has abandoned us. But that's not true. And David realized that through his prayer. So let's take a look at David's life as, as an opportunity for you and I to understand God's goodness in our life. Well, the third person we'd like to take a look at is Jonah. If you're not familiar with the book of Jonah, Jonah is what we consider part of the minor prophets. It's only four chapters. Uh, and Jonah is a, a kind of unique character. I, I, I like Jonah. Uh, I love the story of Jonah because in chapter 1, God calls Jonah and says, I've got a job for you. I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to pre- preach repentance. Now, what was Jonah's response? What was his response? No way. I am not going to do that because I don't like those people. and I, don't, I want to see them suffer and I want to struggle. And God says, oh, okay, I'm going to let you go. And so what does Jonah do? He runs away. He runs away. And God had a plan. He was following Jonah all along. And, and so Jonah, gave, Jonah was given by God some time to reflect. He gave him three days of isolation. And he allowed him to reflect on his decision. And ultimately, ultimately, Jonah did comply. But you have to understand something about Jonah. He was rebellious. He had an attitude. Uh, He was a little arrogant. He had a whole bunch of stuff going on in his life. But let's take a look at what Jonah accomplished And just one thing, one most important thing, and I want you to really understand what he's saying here. God used Jonah in despite of all his failings. God used him in a mighty way. What a lesson for you and I that that through all the adversity in his life, through all the trouble in his life, for his rebellious attitude, God could take him and use him in a most powerful way. And let's take a look at Jonah uh, chapter 4 and verse 2, just the second half of that. For I know that you are a gracious and powerful God to show your anger and abundance in a steadfast and loving way, relenting from disaster. See, Jonah wasn't totally convinced that God was doing the right thing here. He still had this little bit of arrogance inside of him. But what was important here is he finally realized the power of God and who God was. So where does this take us today? 
And I'm going to sit down here, and I, I kind of want to have a, a chat with you people there uh, that are home. I'm going to kind of just kind of uh, have what we'll call a just a uh, chat this morning, a little bit about a few things. So we look at these biblical characters, and we want to understand what's going on in their life. And there's a theme here, and we could probably add a whole bunch of other individuals, but there's a theme here of God's overwhelming love that he had for Moses, he had for David, he had for Jonah, he had for Joseph, he had other characters in the Bible, where even in the midst of all the adversity, God was at work in their lives. And so look at our current world we're in today. The last thing that I remember with the family is we went out for St. Patty's Day. We, we like to go out for all the, the holidays. We have a breakfast and Easter and Christmas and Thanksgiving just to get the family together. It's a tradition that we've been doing for years. And, and initially, we weren't, weren't able to do that. And, and I tell Annette, uh, we're, when all of this clears up, we're going to have a, a huge uh, dinner, luncheon, whatever the case may be, because we missed three birthdays and two anniversaries and a couple graduations and everything else. So we're going to get the balloons. We're going to celebrate, okay, because that's important to us. Our family is really very close to us. But our world that we live in today is upside down. And so I get calls all the time, Chuck, what's going on here? Why can't we do this? What about this? Where are we at? And so on. And so you and I are experiencing trauma, and we can't get our hands around it. We don't understand what's going on with us. So just a few thoughts that I want to leave with you and help you understand some lessons that we are learning through this. And the first thing that really we want to look at is overcoming adversity, overcoming the traumatic experiences. Yes, they're difficult, no question. But maturity very, very often comes through adversity. And in fact, the best way to learn is to make mistakes and screw up. I don't know if you've ever studied the life of Abraham Lincoln, but Lincoln lost several elections before he became president. He wasn't successful from right away. He was a failure by our standards. And yet a lot of times what happens is we, we struggle to make sense out of things, but we mature when we go through very, very difficult situations. So for you and I today is to look at the struggles that we are having and realize that God is up to something and he's taking us and he's molding us and he's shaping us and he's directing our lives. And he's allowing to feel his presence. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And that's what we need to do. And perhaps what we need to do, maybe there's a message from God. We need a revival in America. We need to turn back to God. We, we, we've got to really be blessed by him because we've been moving away from him. And the second thing that I'm seeing here is adversity helps us. And listen carefully. Adversity, trauma in our life, what it does it helps us understand what's really important. What is really important? And, and you know, some of the things that we take for granted and we do on a regular basis, uh, whether it's uh, the ladies going out and getting their hair and their nails done and you couldn't do that for a while and maybe still can't do that, or uh, other things that we get into a routine. And, and what we're finding out is we're valuing things that are really important to us. And what, what is the things that are important to you and I? 
Well, first of all, as a Christian, as someone following the Lord, knowing that God loves us, that has not changed. That has not changed at all. It's the same as it was the day that you found Christ in your life. That's, that is the same. And we don't understand what's all going on. But we do know that in the reality of things, I, I, am I learning to love my wife more and appreciate her? Yes. Am I learning to love my children and my grandchildren more? It's not that I didn't love them in the begin with. But maybe it's to look at them in just a little different light and, and put away some of the busyness and some of the things that we get involved in and don't have time for other people. And so while you're going through trauma, while you're experiencing trauma, and I, I know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm glad I'm not teaching Karen right now because this online teaching would be a real struggle. But those are the kinds of things that are, are causing us to be disrupted. But what are you learning from that? How are you growing through that? Uh, and are, what are you valuing what's really important in your life? And I'm seeing people calling me up, and I'm talking to people, and, and they're saying, you know what? I'm really valuing my family more. I'm valuing my friends more. Uh, I can't wait to get back to church. Um, how many people have called me up and says, I, I just can't wait to get back in person? And there's a connection there, and there's a love there. So, yes, we come to church to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ, but we come also for the fellowship of what we call the saints, to be with one another and to love one another and share with one another. And then the third thing I see, and again, I'm talking to a lot of you that are new to Grace Point. Uh, we have a care ministry here at Grace Point. We have a whole team of about 40 that are available to talk to, to reach out to you, to help you. And so I really encourage you if you need someone. And, and, and what I'm really saying here is it's okay. It's okay not to be okay. What that simply means is if you're experiencing frustration and anxiety and you're really, really struggling deep down inside of you, don't think you're less of a Christian. Don't think that you're being silly. Don't think that you're being stupid or any of those things. That's real. And your life is being impacted. And you're going through a traumatic experience. And in some cases, what we call post-traumatic stress. And we know people will experience post-traumatic stress and then eventually possibly even the disorder of the brain chemistry changing. So we know that's real. And so I encourage you out there and those that are here today, if you are struggling with something, don't hold it in. Allow someone to come into your life and minister to you in your life. And that goes back to what I talked about, loving one another, what's important. We have people that are ready to help you, to talk with you and work with you and guide you and just allow them to help you see that God is sufficient in, in all of these things. And so as we go through this adversity, uh, we really want to leave the message that God loves you and has a purpose for your life. And we want to understand the truth of God and the truth of the scriptures. And so I want to leave with you one of my favorite verses found back in the New Testament book of Jonah. Uh, excuse me, book of uh, Philippians, one of my favorite portions of scripture that I use so frequently. And, and what's going on in Philippians in chapter 4 is that Paul is speaking to us with a, a gift of exhortation and encouragement and prayer. He's, he's, he's exhorting us to be solid in our foundation. He's, he's exhorting us to love the Lord with all our heart. He's exhorting us to allow God to work through our adversity. And so then he offers encouragement to be encouraged. And we need encouragement. We all need encouragement. 
And then he's asking us to pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray for my guidance. Pray for my understanding. Understand that I'm about something and I'm doing something. And so the words here in chapter 4 of verse 8, listen to these words. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is true. One of my biggest frustrations right now is that as I listen to news or I listen to anybody speaking, experts, that the expert will say this, the other expert will say this, and I don't know what the truth is. But I know the word of God is true. And so he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is ever just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent, there is anything worthy of praise, Concentrate on these things or think on these things. And this is going to make the difference in your life. Now, I'm talking to, I don't know you. I'm I'm talking to a microphone right now, and I can't see you. You have the advantage of being able to see me. And some of you may have accidentally tuned in today, or maybe some of you have been tuning in for the last two, three, four weeks, and and, and you're exploring the scriptures, and you're not quite sure uh, of some of the strengths of the gospel and the gospel message is sure. So let me be very, very, very clear at, of this. In the span of time, we know in the Old Testament that the, the priest go into the Holy of Holies once a year and sprinkle the blood on the altar for the sacrifices of sin. In the New Testament, God sent his son Jesus to this earth to minister for three years, going around doing miracles and ministering and sharing But ultimately, his mission was to die on a cross so that you and I would have eternal life and be with him for all eternity. But in the presence right now, to feel his peace in our life, to know that he loves us, he has a purpose for us, and that he's got this. And no matter how difficult things get, God is on the throne and he cares for you. And so if you don't know this Jesus, today is the day that you bow to him and say, Lord, I don't understand all this. I don't understand the scriptures. I don't understand the message. But I know I need Jesus. And today will be the day that God will come into your life and share his goodness and gracious and give you what you're looking for. Are we going to go through difficult times? The scripture is very clear that we're going to go through difficult times. And one of the lies that we hear all the time is, if you're a Christian, you won't have problems. Is that true? No. But we're, we're led to believe that Christianity means free from problems. No, it does not mean that. What did Paul say in the New Testament when he went to the Lord and said, Lord, take away this? And we're not sure. Some scholars think he had a, an eye problem, a sight problem. Some people think Paul suffered from depression and, and, and he said, Lord, take this away. And what did God say to him? My grace is sufficient for you in all things. God's grace is sufficient for all of this. And so as we go through this trauma, traumatic experience, we have people that are willing to sit down with you and talk with you about what you're feeling and thinking. We have people that are willing to talk to you about Jesus and what it means to in life. Lord, we just we ask the Lord to guide us and direct us in all things. And we're just so thankful for this time. So if you're out there today, I want to take a moment to just pray for you and pray for all of us as we go through these trials and tribulations together. Lord God, I don't understand all that's going on. I don't. 
but I do know that you love me. And I know you have a purpose for me. And Lord, you're not going to waste your children. You're going to guide them and love them and direct them in this difficult time. And Lord, today, especially I'm praying right at this moment for that person that's, that's tuned in today, and maybe they, they accidentally tuned into us, and they've never heard the message of Jesus, that he came to do what? To seek and save the lost and to heal the brokenhearted and, and, and set the captive free. And I know a lot of you feel captive and, and feel hemmed in. So today is the day to say, Lord, I want you in my life. Jesus, I need you. I believe in you. I want you to come into my life and give me the peace that the scripture teaches. Lord, just thank you for those that are here today. Thank you for those that are listening today. Lord, just bless us this week and throughout. And, and, and Lord, uh, it's my prayer that, again, when next time I speak, that I'm going to have 400 people in front of me to speak to. But, Lord, for now... Just bless us, Lord, and thank you for our, our, our technical team it's, in allowing this to happen. Thank you for our staff here at Grace Point. Thank you for the trials that you put us through. But, Lord, your grace is sufficient. We thank thee in Jesus' name. Amen.